Welcome to the second episode of Combo Chain. It's a JRPG Games Club podcast. I'm Paul on Davis, and who am I here with? Oh, it's Robert. Hey, Robert. I Thanks for joining Mega us. Ones. Yes, you were. You were on uh, my other show, Mega Ten Marathon, doing uh, Tokyo Mirage sessions. And uh, now you're back here with uh, Ease 8, Lacrimosa of Dana. Um, I was I was just kind of wondering, like, is it supposed to be like Dana or Dana? How how important? How how Japanese is this title trying to be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Lacrimosa is Latin, apparently. I had to look this up on Wikipedia. Um, yeah. This is what Wikipedia told me. The Lacrimosa, Latin for weeping, also a name that derives from Our Lady of Sorrows, is a title given to Mary, Mother of Jesus. It's also part of the Desiree sequence in the Roman Catholic Requiem Mass. Um, so that's what lacrimosa means in general. This was my first experience with the word. Yeah, I think it just was chosen because it sounds cool. I, I agree. Yeah. A related story, E6 is called uh, the Ark of Nepishtim or something. <laughs> but between, you know, E, which is spelled Y-S, and that's not, I think... Uh, intuitive for english speakers i rented that game once and uh, a third party just asked to look at the case and was like what is this how do i say <laughs> these words i think that's yeah that's kind of a tradition for ease games um or ease games weirder than that weirder than the name ease in itself is the fact that it's also the name of a uh, joanna newsom album that was inspired by the games huh because it's uh, it's like a mythical city. Originally, that's where the name comes from. Right. But apparently she was inspired by the games. So That is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, you come across something like that. And you're like, oh, wow. That's totally random. Um, so, yeah. Before we start, uh, what's your history with East? East? Uh I really like this whole series. Uh, actually, I think East three might be the first RPG I ever played, but I didn't understand what RPGs were. So I just thought it was very, very hard and didn't know the leveling <laughs> up. Uh, this was the SNES version. So it actually is very, very hard, but not in that way. Mm-hmm. But I kind of only got into it when I played like a fan translation of the SNES version of four. And then I just had, no, I played, uh, I played E six first that when I rented that was my first, like getting into the series, seeing what it was about. And then I just had to play at least one version of all of them, but all of them have been remade so many times that I haven't played every single East game. I know. I know the first two are like insane. Like I think I played the first, I can't remember if it's the first, if it's the first two or just the first game, but um, the Sega Master System version of it. So that was, you know, 30 years ago now. <laughs> and uh, then I didn't play any games in the series for a lot, long time and then played uh, Lacrimosa, or not Lacrimosa of Dana, um, the Olfin uh, Falgana on uh, the Vita. Oh, yeah. That's a real good one. Those Vita releases were nice. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the closest like predecessor to this one. So yeah, um, East 8. East 8. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, developed 
by uh, Nihon Falcom, as all the games have been. And it was released in uh, Japan in 2016 for the Vita. And uh, then subsequently released worldwide for the Vita, the PS4, Windows, and the Switch, which is uh, where I played it. Um, there was uh, a good amount of controversy about the original translation, which was pretty uh, nonsensical or just very, like, you know, written at a uh, first grader's reading level uh, in the original translation. NIS uh, released an alternative translation in 2018, which uh, was a huge improvement. Did you get a chance to play it before it was uh, retranslated? Yeah, no, I never did. I guess that's one of the reasons why I waited on it for a while because I was hearing that I've seen some examples of the old translation and it's like not unplayable. You know, there's a lot of hyperbole there, but there is like, uh, when you meet the doctor, someone asks, what's a medical student? It's a student of medicine. <laughs> and that's apparently yeah. an exchange. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not uh, a great localization. Yeah. I didn't think the, uh, complaints were as pedantic. They weren't quite as pedantic as the complaints against persona five, uh, the translation for that, which, you know, was not a gr- perfect translation, but a lot of the things that seemed weird there just were like, oh, maybe the editors could have done another pass on this. But um, yeah, the original translation of Ease 8, of Ease 8 was, mu- was much more like, it seems like it's written by a six-year-old also using like Google Translate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's weird. But yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was playable. I, I mean, I played part of it before the patch. Yeah. The, I am glad I, I got, you know, because this is like a 60-hour game. I wouldn't have played it twice, so I'm glad I waited in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so the mechanics, you know, it's uh, fully third person. Um it's primarily, uh, you know, sword-based, at least if you're playing uh, as at all. Um, action uh, RPG, and, uh, you know, your action revolves around uh, these following moves, like Slash, which uh, the Slash attacks are best used against enemies with uh, soft bodies. Um, the Hit-type attribute, which uh, deals damage through impact. They're best used against uh, enemies with shell-like attributes and uh, Shoot which, uh, you know, obviously has a long-reached fight in a mid-to-long-range battle. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not as strong as slash-and-hit attacks. Uh, but, you know, they, uh, they work in a, uh, in a pinch. I pretty much mostly played as Adol in the battle, so I wasn't really controlling uh, the characters who use other weapon types. I don't oh, know yeah. about I, you. I swapped around a bit, but this one is a little bit uh, friendlier. The last couple of games have had you wanting to switch up a lot to get the weakness. Like, oh, here's a flying enemy. You use the piercing or shooting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this one, your your friends will actually help a bit. So it's not so bad if you just want to stay as at all. Right. Okay. So there's a few other mechanics, too. There's uh, If you hit some of them. Yeah, this was a new to this one, I think, is break. If you hit enemies with uh, whatever attribute they're weak to, they'll eventually kind of hit the break status where they become weak to everything, which is another way you can kind of get by just playing as at all or whoever you like. Uh, and that also kind of helps. It makes them drop rare items, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, I think you get like bonuses if you hit enemies in midair too. 
Mm-hmm. So not so new to this one was there's the flash guard and the flash move kind of system where you have a dodge move and a kind of parry. So if you parry, then in addition to not taking any damage, you all of your attacks become critical hits for a little while. Uh, whereas the flash move is you kind of get a Bayonetta which time if you dodge at the last <laughs> second, just like in Bayonetta. Which is so, a, a favorite mechanic of mine in games. Yeah, that. It, that's the, my stuff. Both both parries and that are real good. So I like that this game just gives you both. And I kind of, <laughs> I personally just kind of use whatever feels best for an attack. But I'm glad that it's uh, now bayonetta witch time as opposed to uh, matrix bullet time because I would much prefer <laughs> to refer to it uh, refer to oh, it as bayonetta true. than uh, <laughs> a matrix. I feel like with thing. one you dodge and then it goes slow, whereas one it goes slow, therefore you dodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> So uh, yeah, your uh, your uh, main characters in the game. Uh, not surprising if you've ever played an East game before. Uh, your uh, main protagonist is Adol Kristen. He's uh, the main protagonist of the East series. He's uh, his uh, his uh, job uh, title is adventurer, which uh, I wish was a job title today. Though I don't really have the courage to be an adventurer. Probably uh, in this one, he uh, drifts to the shores of Siren Island um, because if there's one thing that the East Games have taught us, uh, Adol should not ever be put on a boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of like if you if you're a taxi driver and you drive a lot, you're more likely to be in a car accident. Adol's mm-hmm. on boats all the time, so he's been shipwrecked. At least three times. <laughs> so you're saying if this was like a modern, you know, modern setting, he uh, should avoid like Ubers. I, I guess it's, I think it's just an occupational hazard. Maybe an adventurer, <laughs> you're going to get into adventures. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, so in this game, he's uh, searching the land for other survivors of the shipwreck, and uh, he's also making a map of the whole island and exploring it. Meanwhile, you got the story of uh, Dana Eclusia. Uh, she's an Eternian who lived as the last maiden of the great tree. Um, she's, uh, also a warden of evolution and has defected to stop the Lacrimosa once and for all, which Lacrimosa has its own meaning in this game, which, uh, we'll get to. And, um, uh, yeah, then, uh, your main party characters, uh, you have, uh, Loxia von Roswell, uh, a uh, Garmon noble. This is one of the things I love about the East games is like, they use all the names of like real like countries and continents, but just like change it by like one leaden letter. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's great. I like how uh, the Island of Crete is still pronounced Crete, but it's spelled E E T in this. Yeah. One. Yeah. Or this, this character, this character is from Greek. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Not Greece. Afroca is a continent. I'm <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Loxia, um, uh, Von Roswell is not from New Mexico, uh, and is not an alien. Uh, she's actually a Garmon noble. She boarded the Lombardia, which was your ship with her family Butler. And she's, she's kind of stuck up. So yeah, she, uh, she accompanies out all, uh, then you have, uh, Sahad, who's a, uh, Greek fisherman, uh, being a fisherman from Greek who also boarded the Lombardia um, to uh, return to his homeland. And uh, yeah, I was, I was a big, big fan of Sahad. He was all right. Yeah, Sahad's great. Um, he also farts. <laughs> that's true. One of the important facts about Sahad. Uh, and uh, what about Hummel? 
Oh, Hummel's great. He's uh, so he's from uh, the fake Rome, which is called well, okay, it's called Roman. <laughs> uh, he's a Roman citizen, and he has the job that he calls a transporter. So he'll take things places for money. Yeah, uh, and you you hear a lot about that throughout the game because uh, I like Hummel a lot. But he, so he kind of. It sounds like a. It sounds like a vaguely uh, disreputable uh, line of work. Yeah, it is, and he has a whole backstory where he's nice or whatever. Uh, So you know, he doesn't talk a whole lot at first, and he's like real serious. But he's also shipwrecked, so eventually he joins your group and carries around because he's looking for his client. He has a delivery for him. He's a briefcase with him. Uh, which turns out to be real, real uh, dumb when you find out what it is. <laughs> uh, the last person you get is Rakota. Uh, she's just a kid who lives on the Isle of Saren. She's been there since a long time before you got there, and she just has a hut on the mountain you end up calling Gendarme Mountain because your characters see a mountain and say, let's call that Mount Cop. <laughs> uh, so she's there with her foster father who was washed up before Adol and everyone else, and... They they research the primordials, which are dinosaurs. Mm -hmm, Basically. Um, Yeah, then you have a few, like, notable side characters. There's a bunch. There's all the people who got shipwrecked to uh, join your your, uh, little, like, uh, hangout on the uh, island. But uh, most importantly, you have uh, Captain Barbaros, who's uh, the red-bearded captain of the Lombardia. And, uh, you know, he's just your typical, like, uh, he's noble, but good <laughs> JRPG character, you know, and he's a great leader. You've got uh, Dogie, who's uh, Adol's longtime adventure partner and best friend. And, uh, yeah, he, he does, you don't, you know, strangely, even though he's uh, Adol's uh, bro and has been in a lot of these games... Uh, you don't actually, uh, he doesn't join your party. Instead, he uh, kind of just governs the uh, castaway village with uh, the captain. And then there's uh, Little Paro, who's a uh, goofy parrot uh, that uh, Barbaros found on the island. Paro was taught human language, speaks in incomplete sentences, and mostly serves as a messenger delivering messages from the captain to Adol across great distances like parrots are uh, known to do in the wild. Um, are there any other uh, major side characters you can think of? Uh, I mean, there's all, there's a lot of characters and things that happen in the game, but mm-hmm. uh, most of them are just like people who sit around and have some little side quests and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, have a little color to them. Um, and I'm sure we'll get some of those as we uh, go through the uh, synopsis of the game hey this is paul i was just uh taking a break here uh to let you know that we now have a patreon so if you want to help support us and uh help us cover the cost of uh recording and hosting uh the shows just head on over to patreon.com backslash double image studios that's double image studios and uh, drop us a dollar or two or even five or ten. Any amount helps. And uh, if you do so, uh, we'll uh, throw in some cool bonuses uh, like a visual novel that I'm working on. 
and also access to a uh, future show that uh, I'll be working on as well. Just head over to patreon.com backslash double image studios. And like I said, any amount helps. So uh, thank you so much and back to the show. So yeah, uh, passing the uh, archipelagos of the uh, Gate Sea or uh, Gate Sea. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't remember how to pronounce it. Yeah, which is uh, you know basically uh, it's located south of uh, mainland Greek, and Adol's on a passenger ship called the Lombardia that is headed from Zandria to the continent of Eurasia, which you may know. Or you may <laughs> notice uh, sounds a lot like uh, Europe, but uh, yeah, and Zandria is uh, Egypt, and it's where East Five takes place. So I guess this is between five and six. Hmm, it's definitely before seven. Uh, so I think that's right. Yeah, the continuity of the games is really kind of screwy, but um, so yeah, you know, you're on the boat, uh, you're getting to know the folks on the boat. And, uh, you know, you got, you got a little bit of uh, class warfare going on there. Like some of the people are like, you know, very, very important, uh, rich people and they're very snotty and snobby and, uh, other people are, uh, you know, more of the, uh, working class people and, uh, you know, think that the, uh, snobby people can, uh, go, uh, fuck themselves. <laughs> That's a nice bit of color there. So, uh, yeah, so unsurprisingly, the uh, ship is attacked and sunk by a giant creature. Um, and uh, when Adol uh, wakes up, he realizes he landed on the shore of a cursed island known as the uh, Isle of uh, Saren or Siren. I'm not sure which. Uh, it, they, they call it Saren, but it, it is referring to Sirens. They talk about the Sarens being like some mythical creatures that lured ships to their death. Surprisingly, <laughs> they are not a thing. They don't appear in this game. No, no, they don't. Um, so yeah, you know, he's, he basically started out and Adol's running around. He's looking for other survivors. Um, uh, you, uh, initially, uh, team up with, uh, Laxia von Roswell. Um, you get a little, uh, comedy where, uh, she thinks that, uh, Adol is, uh, hitting on her. Um, well, it's more that he walks in on her changing and yep. she has no way of knowing that Adol only cares about adventure. He has no, <laughs> Adol is like Goku levels of asexual. I don't think he even understands the concept. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, he is not, he is, he is not a uh, Shatner type figure in these games. <laughs> but every woman he meets does immediately fall in love with him anyway. Yeah, totally. Um, and he also, uh, you know, but of course, you know, watching, walking in on your main female protagonist is uh, getting changed is like a classic JRPG trope. Um, um, yeah, if it doesn't happen at the beginning, it happens later. Yes, exactly. Um, or like accidentally landing on top of them when you first meet them or something oh, like also that. very important. Yeah. Um, and he also meets fisherman uh, Sahad uh, Nautilus, who, uh, you know, uh, are down to help the fellow castaways survive and find to uh, find a way to get off the island. Uh, Sahad's also got a pretty badass weapon, which is like an anchor, isn't it? Yeah, he literally just has a broken ship anchor and picks that up and starts swinging around. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> 
So yeah, um, at the same, you know, meanwhile, at all is having these dreams about uh, Dana or uh, Dana, or uh, and uh, she's a mysterious girl from prehistoric era who uh, seemingly has a connection to the Isle of Saren and uh, at all's fate. Yeah, and you just gradually the actually, it, the whole thing does go in interesting directions as you go, but you're just getting these you know mystery dreams and an ancient kind of. I don't know how to describe them, but if you're thinking about like a weird prehistoric culture in a JRPG, it's exactly what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exactly like the, the, the knuckles is from Sonic adventure kind of level. <laughs> except everyone's dressed all sexy. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. It's, it's it like, a, yeah, it's, it's like one of those things where, you know, you're playing like sometime in the, uh, you know, in the uh, ancient past, even though, you know, you've got uh, the uh, equivalents of Greece and Rome going on, you've also got dinosaurs stomping around. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, this is the even more ancient past. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's a video game, you meet dinosaurs and are immediately like, well, how do we kill them? <laughs> exactly. Like Monster Hunter. Yeah. You're just. You're an archaeological disaster. Is this, you know, did Think Piece writers lose an opportunity to uh, write about this game being a uh, metaphor for uh, colonialism like they've done with uh, Monster Hunter many times? It is definitely hella colonial. Uh, I don't know (laughs) if anyone bothered getting it because Monster Hunter is probably a better example. This is a game where like all wildlife just starts working together and forming organized militias <laughs> to kill humans. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's 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 pretty great. Um, <laughs> uh, the 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 amount of organization is notable in this game that the wildlife has. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what if all the starfish teamed up with wolves? <laughs> yeah, like a monster hunter. Like you know, you don't get you know you, the monsters often like fight one another. You know, they're not really kind of conspiring against you, but. In this, in this game, yeah, there's definitely some kind of monster conspiracy going on. Shortly after that, that's when you uh, meet Hummel Tribaldo, and he joins you. And he was on, you met him on the Lombardia earlier, but he is now looking for his client. And going further, you meet Rakota, uh, Rakota Beldine, I think is her name. Uh, and she just already lived on the island. And uh, Laxia actually has like some archaeologist creds and she knows about uh, the dinosaurs and tells you kind of what they are. Yeah. Cause her dad was like a, an archaeologist type guy. It's probably not the actual word. Cause I don't know if anyone digs anything up, but you know <laughs> about the primordials and she's kind of in the know enough to tell you about them. Yeah. It's kind of and, an archaeologist meets a uh, zoologist maybe. Yeah, I guess it's something like that. It's yes. it's you know it's like video game science, so it's all very hand wavy. A primo- but, uh, primordialist, perhaps. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but then, uh, as you keep exploring the island, you finally get to the far end and find the whole ruins of an entire ancient civilization called Eternia. And you know the residents had a special magic power called Essence. So, well, for one thing, you kind of have a bunch of segments where you're playing as uh, Dana in the past. Mm-hmm. And she starts having dreams about Adol in the present, which is where it starts getting interesting. And then kind of in the middle of it, you walk into uh, the place where their big tree is that they worshipped. And Donna is just there. She's kind of in some sort of 
magical stasis sleep, and she doesn't remember what happened, but she knows who you are from having dreamed about them. So she doesn't know why she's alive or anything. She doesn't know anything more than the player does, which is like kind of obvious, but it is this neat dynamic where you're sort of, it's an amnesic character, but in a very different way than kind of the cliche. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of cool how the kind of dreams go like, you know, backwards and forwards. Um, Yeah, sort of of like Lost. (laughs) You could do worse. Yeah, definitely. And they're on an island. It's a lot like Lost. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I don't think there's a magical glowy cave, though. Um, Uh, There's there's a lot of magical things. There's there's probably a magical glowy cave. It's just not. It's just not really like interesting in a video game. Like every cave is magical and glowy. Yeah, it's true. Um, So basically, uh, you know, the castaways have. uh, You know, you've been helping them build a castaway village, and they've got a pretty good thing going, uh, except for the fact that uh, every once in a while, uh, the monsters kind of just like decide to gang up and attack the village. And so you have these kind of like wave attacks through, you know, in different parts of the game that you uh, have to like fight off to kind of continue on with the narrative. Um, What did did you think about these wave attacks? I thought they were kind of cool at first and then they started to annoy me. Yeah, it it hits that like exact sweet spot where I don't really want to do them, but I feel obligated to even when they're optional Mm -hmm. because like, but there's prizes I won't (laughs) use or need, but there's prizes. Yeah, yeah. When they ceased being optional and they got a little harder, I was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, then they do that. Uh, and even like some of the other side stuff, like when you go into the past, there's a very long dungeon with Donna. And she's different in the past because she has different modes. So she's kind of three characters in one. Mm-hmm. But like every time that happens, the whole story kind of grinds to a halt because I feel obligated to go through this big dungeon. And I. <laughs> was a bit much that's totally true i really did like playing as her though like yeah and i wish yeah, there'd been more of that as, yeah it's a bit weird i yeah. guess i just wish she was like doing more interesting things mm-hmm. yeah so uh meanwhile you know um as you're just kind of exploring the island and uh kind of trying to figure out what's up with the primordials and uh the uh internians um you know castaways are trying to build a ship to uh, escape the uh island and um basically after they uh research uh you know continue researching uh at and his team discover that a primordial known as the ocean oceanus was responsible for the sinking of their ship and uh, it's uh, historically attacked ships since uh, before his day, uh, Dana's era, and uh, is a reason why there's so many damn uh, shipwreck survivors on this island. And then, you know, the castaways uh, band together and they uh, defeat the uh, Oceanus, uh, basically, so they can uh, have safe travel in the surrounding sea. And despite this, there's questions surrounding the primordials and Dana's situation, which uh, leads the group to continue to explore the island. And while you do this, uh, Dana uh, begins to slowly regain her memories. And all those memories culminate in her remembering that uh, meteors crashed into eternity and Eternia uh, and killed a bunch of people, but also caused an ice age. And that's why they all went extinct. But more importantly, that whole thing was 
brought forth by uh, the Lacrimosa, which is a kind of extinction level event that wipes out all the civilization on Earth when they're supposed to. Uh, as decided by these uh, these wardens of evolution, like one person from each species gets chosen to, first of all, be a immortal force ghost and watch over everything and also choose who the next one is going to be. But it's not like a successor thing. They all just are a band that got bigger over time. Yeah. And uh, it's always different, too. So I kind of like how, you know, uh, meteors for... Dana's civilization and for humans now they're just like dinosaurs that's what the dinosaurs are for <laughs> right which I you know it's it's just so imprecise I kind of like it I like the idea that they want to come up with a new one every time or else it gets boring yeah exactly they, they gotta change it up <laughs> yeah and uh, naturally uh, Donna kind of unwittingly chose Adol to be the next warden of evolution but that was kind of an accident. She obviously wants to stop all of this from happening. So that's why she put herself to sleep with a finger gun. <laughs> I remember a finger gun. Cause I was like, does she have, does she know what a gun is? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> really nitpicky with these things. It's kind of like the uh, guns in uh, persona three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> they were going for that. I just don't think it makes any actual sense. No, no it doesn't. <laughs> So yeah, with uh, Dana's help, uh, Adol's crew becomes the first group to resist the Lacrimosa, ending the process, and uh, this ensures the continued survival of the human race. Um, but stopping the Lacrimosa doesn't go as planned, and the world begins to collapse. Uh, Dana uses her essence to disrupt the end of the world, but she dies in the process. Um, and shortly thereafter... Um, while your uh, crew is mourning the loss of uh, Dana or Dana, uh, the goddess of the world, Maya, shows up. And um, she basically tells her tells the group that uh, Dana's sacrifice has led her to become uh, the goddess of evolution, tasked with watching over and taking care of the world. Yeah, and I think you. I think, I think there's three endings in this game. There depending are. On how much completion you get, and without knowing them, I'm going to go ahead and say it's like bad ending. Everyone dies. Normal ending. No one remembers Dana. Good ending. They remember Dana, and you fight an extra boss. I got the normal ending. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which means, so it, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. didn't see the final thing. Yeah, I didn't see any of this uh, in my actual gameplay. But uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Basically, what happens in the normal ending is you just kind of like, you know, you finish it off, uh, off your main quest and, uh, you know, kill Oceanus. And uh, then you're like, all right, we're just going to piss off out of here and <laughs> later. And that's pretty much the end of the game. It's yeah, it's there's a whole thing where you go through uh, like one more dungeon and fight a pretty big, cool boss. That's has no real story significance, but it's like called the origin of life or something. And there's cool music. And then you get out and Maya just says, oh, uh, if, if you fight that, then you can see goddesses now. So here's Dana. Right, right. And she looks she looks like uh, kind of the uh, East one and two goddesses with uh, like an orb. Mm hmm. So that's kind of how that works. Which is always a cool design. Like, that has always been a cool-looking thing. Yeah, and it's like a nice callback for long-term fans of the series. Because mm -hmm. those old games are... They play pretty differently from these new ones. They used yeah. to be really compact, fast games that were like, you know, 
10 or fewer hours long. And now this one is like 60. Yeah. Yeah. And they had that awesome mechanic where you uh, just uh, fought by bouncing into people. <laughs> yeah. That, and it works surprisingly well. What were your general thoughts about the game? Uh, I really like this one. I think of like the current era of East. I like this one, like in the middle and seven is my favorite just because it was, it has my favorite soundtrack and it's like the fastest moving one. It's only like 20 hours long. And mm-hmm. I played it through, like I started a new game of that immediately after finishing it. I liked it so much, uh, but they're all good. And this one is like, it has a bunch of the quality of life upgrades from, uh, God, Memories of Celsetta. Yeah. Plus some new stuff, but none of the stuff that I didn't like about Memories of Celsetta. So it's like, it felt like this is where I wanted it to go after that. Yeah, I I really liked it too. I thought, you know, having not played E7, but uh, having played Memories of Celsetta, I thought it was a really good follow-up to that. Um, I thought the combat was really, really satisfying. It felt really good. Oh yeah, it is really nice in this one. Yeah, that's and that's not a given in action RPGs in general. Um, oftentimes, the uh, combat is sort of an afterthought. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, the combat. Um, even though the storyline, I think you know, is, is very rote in a lot of ways. Uh, if you're playing, you know, if you're used to playing JRPGs. There was enough cool stuff going on that um, I really sort of dug it. I'm always I'm always up for like stranded survivors on an island. Like you know, I love I love Lost. I love it here. Um, yeah, and you get to build up a base, which I'm, I am a sucker for. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, yeah, I, I thought all the stuff with uh, Dana and the Eternians was pretty cool. You know, it wasn't anything like amazing, amazingly original. But I thought that it was executed really well. And um, yeah, I, I love the flashbacks and that whole kind of society. Um, and even the stuff that was just kind of, you know, cliche, I think, like worked really well in this game. Yeah, I, like East games don't have like super original plots, but they just do a really good job with making the characters work and the things that happen feel good. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 a sort of thing where it's like, you know, you don't necessarily have to be all that original to execute it really well, you know. I mean, yeah, for sure. And like uh, Sahad and Rakota have a really fun relationship because he's an he is a he has kids of his own that are back home, so like he's sort of a another surrogate father for her. She has like three others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, Sahad kind of seems like a salty sailor man at first, but, you know, he's actually, like, just a big, sensitive goof. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another thing I like about Hummel is because I'm a sucker for the guy who looks super serious, cool guy, and then is actually dumb as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't mention his uh, his, uh, payload he's delivering for his client is a blueprint to build a ship that he just doesn't think anyone. (laughs) Well, he, he refuses to show it to anyone beforehand because he took a job. The job to deliver that blueprint, which was just uh, Rakota's adoptive father putting a note in a bottle saying, please bring a blueprint for a ship to the Isle of Saren and <laughs> putting like a jewel or something in it and throwing it in. That counts as payment. <laughs> so I'm almost like, well, I looked at, picked this up. 
I guess I'm honor bound to do this now. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, the, the problem that they were facing wasn't really the boat. It was this uh, primordial known as Oceanus. Yeah, that's true. You got a whole big, cool fight with that thing. Yeah. Because, because it controls monsters for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, theoretically, you could maybe figure out how to be- make a boat. I mean, I couldn't, but, you know. Yeah, it is a weird thing you don't think about needing the plans for a boat <laughs> in this kind of story, but like, it makes sense. I, I, I don't know how to really do a good boat <laughs> that could actually sail across the ocean and carry a ton of people. I would probably mess it up. Yeah, probably. Me, me too. You know, I'd probably come up with a raft that would uh, fall apart after, you know, being at sea for about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all in all, yeah, I think ease eight is a really, really strong game. I think that it's probably one of the best RPGs to come out in recent years that I've played. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I, I probably play fewer RPGs than you, but well, I definitely do, but, uh, I can't think of anything that strikes me as way better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, put it maybe not in the tier of like, say like a persona five or near automata, but you know, very, you know, Oh yeah. Near, near is definitely, I like a bit more, but yeah, it's also a different thing. Yeah, exactly. But I would definitely say it is very, very good. Um, so yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I'm looking at a screenshot. I took of this game. I don't remember the context of where it's just Rakota pointing off screen and saying, look, stairs. <laughs> so, look out for stairs, everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I know why I took the screenshot because that's funny, but I don't remember <laughs> what the context is. Yeah, I, I do that a lot with uh, I, my, my switch library is full of uh, random like cutscene dialogue. That I can't really remember why it was funny in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining me, Robert. Uh, is there anything you would like to uh, plug or promote or, uh, you know, point out or say before we wrap mm-hmm. up here? No, not especially. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. How about go and listen to uh, the episodes of Mega 10 Marathon that Robert oh, yeah, was I on? Could, I guess you could do that. Yeah. They're the uh, Tokyo Mirage session episodes, and I'll throw a link in the show notes to that. Sure. Um, yeah, and as far as uh, the show goes, um, yeah, thanks for uh, listening to the second episode. It's, uh, you know, this is a brand new podcast, so if you uh, want to be so kind as to rate and review it in iTunes or what is soon becoming, I believe, Apple Podcasts officially – uh, that would be awesome. Uh, you can, uh, find us at combochain.com and, um, yeah, also check out, uh, my other podcast, Mega 10 Marathon, which is a game by game, uh, journey through the Shimigami Tensei and Persona games. And we also just launched a, uh, Patreon. Um, so if you're feeling generous, uh, head on over to patreon.com backslash uh, mirror image studios and uh, yeah, kick down a couple bucks if you want to. And uh, that would really help with, uh, you know, just kind of the recording and hosting costs for uh, these shows. So uh, yeah, 
Um, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for joining us, Robert. Yeah, I, I love East, so I was pretty in on this from uh, <laughs> moment one. Yeah. Right after saying, wow, Paul is starting another JRPG podcast. <laughs> he is out of his mind. I know. That's why I'm kind of sticking to ones that I've already played. <laughs> Yeah, that that is the sensible way of, of doing this not sensible thing. Yeah, exactly. But at, at the same time, I have to say that I play about three or four JRPGs simultaneously. So that's fair. Yeah, um, you'll get by. There's a lot of them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you know it doesn't go quickly, but it you know it it, it eventually adds up to a lot of JRPGs played. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for being on, uh, Robert, and uh, hope to have you on for another game in the uh, in the future. Oh yeah, heck yeah! All right, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>